Today is Friday, February 2nd, 2018. This is a special conference in Spokane, Washington with Ricky Acosta. Tonight's The Message emphasis will be for the Young Working Saints. Lord, tonight we'd like to know you as the treasure never-ending, ever-spent and unfailing still. Oh, we open to you as your vessels tonight. Lord, we open to you as as vessels. Lord, empty us. us of every garbage. Empty us, Lord, of our own concept. We want to be filled with you. That's your new mindset, Lord. Well, it uh, certainly is a pleasure to uh, to be with you all this evening and and this weekend. Um, <clears throat> I know that the majority of you don't know me. We do foolish things by standing here and opening our mouth, because <laughs> the more we talk, the more people do know us. But you'll have your chance later. <clears throat> we'll see how many take the opportunity for that. Uh, but maybe we'll get to know each other a little bit over over the weekend. Um, 
if my understanding is accurate, uh, tonight's fellowship is really uh, directed at those who are in this category that we call the working saints uh, or the young working saints. I don't know which one is emphasized more. Young working saints. Okay. So, but older working saints is it's okay too, right? For them to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So the working saints. But um, but yes, there is a particular burden uh, concerning the younger working saints, uh, many many of whom uh, are. Uh, our second generation, in some cases, our third generation. Um, of course, there are some who who maybe uh, have been saved along the way and came into the church life, and uh, maybe during your college years, and now find yourself in this category of uh, of being someone who's in this stage of life working, and. Uh, uh, through through the years, uh, actually under the Lord's uh, arrangement, um, I actually spend most of my time in New York. That's where that's where I, I live and I, I serve with this category of saints, the young working saints. I think there's a kind of a misconception uh, about me by many. That I spend most of my time with the young people, uh, but that actually that's not that's not the case and has not been the case for quite a while. Uh, although I like being with the young people, but the young people grow up <laughs> and they become young working saints. Uh, and and so, if you have the burden for the young people, you have to eventually share the burden for the young working saints. Uh, because everybody grows up. And um, it's this process of growing up and the challenges that we face uh, that is actually the, my burden and what I'd like to fellowship a little bit with, with you about. And maybe, maybe I would, I would uh, summarize uh, in just this one word, um, transitions. Transitions. The transitions that we face in life... Uh, every transition, you could say, you could say, is a kind of a test. Every every transition, I th- at least you could say, is a kind of a challenge. And I'll explain what I what I mean. Maybe first, let me uh, let me say something about those two portions that that we just read, Second Timothy and Second Peter. And uh, uh, just this afternoon. Uh, I, I was planning to use these these verses in Second Timothy, uh, but but just this afternoon this realization came uh, that is uh, interesting uh, that, bo- that both of these portions are second, the second book. And did you find the common theme in these two portions? Did you did you notice w- why I picked these? Uh, because of the word. Remind. Yeah. Remind. Uh, Paul, Paul says to Timothy, this actually, this verse, I think is very familiar to, to the majority of us. For which cause I remind you. I remind you. 
to fan, to fan into flame. For which cause I remind you. Now, um, for which cause, of course, then, that means you should, you should, you know, this is not the first word. You, you need to go back a little bit. What, what, what are, what are we talking about? For which cause? And in, in, in verse, uh, verse five, it says, having been reminded, this is not remind you. This is, I was reminded, Paul, having been reminded of the unfeigned faith in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded dwells also in you. For which cause I remind you. So there's an implication here. I know you. And I know that you know. And I know that you've heard. I know because, because I know your grandmother. And, and, and I know your mom. And I know what they put into you. And then when you go to chapter three in, in, in this book, Paul, Paul says, we also contributed. So, so it first was something from your family, and then we also did a part. And there, and there in chapter three, uh, Paul, Paul is tell, telling Timothy, don't forget. Don't forget the patterns that are, that are in front of you. And, and don't forget from which ones you learned. From which ones you learned. So, <clears throat> my point in bringing out the, the fact that it's the second book is that is that there was already something there in the first book and so paul if 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 you if you're familiar with second timothy paul does not really present in this book new teachings new revelations actually it's a kind of a strong uh, exhortation <clears throat> uh remember and guard. Guard. That's verse 14. Guard the good deposit. Guard the deposit that is in you. And, and again, if you're familiar with 2 Timothy, <clears throat> the particular one, or one particular thing about this book is that it's, it's actually Paul's final book. Paul's final book. It's the final book that he wrote. It's not, it's not Paul's final book in its place in the scriptures, right? Uh, Hebrews, he, Hebrews is. And, and, so there, after, after Timothy, there's Titus and Philemon. For sure Philemon, that we know he wrote these books, and Hebrews, we believe he wrote, he wrote Hebrews. So there are other books, but this, the, the placing of those was under the Lord's sovereignty, in the scriptures for a certain reason under the Holy Spirit's leading but but this was the last book he wrote because in the last in chapter 4 he says the time of my departure is at hand so so if you read this book with this view that it's Paul's final word and and then to maybe his closest Co-worker, 
whom he considered his spiritual son. It has a lot of feeling, a lot of significance, a lot of meaning, that at the very end, he's saying, remember, don't forget, don't forget what grandma and mom told you, don't forget what I've told you, don't forget what I put in you, remember and guard. And so, for this category of saints that we're targeting tonight in our fellowship, uh, to a a great extent, I feel you don't need, you certainly don't need me to come to teach you something new. Because you've heard so much. You've all heard so much. But, But you might need some of us to come and stir you up a little bit. Because what you have may not be on fire. What you have may have... I don't know you, so don't take it personally. I'm not talking about you. The brothers didn't tell me, target this one, target that one. We don't do stuff like that. So don't... I'm going to give examples tonight, and none of them are about you, but I hope you take them all if they fit. Yeah. Because... mm, we know human nature a little bit. We have contact with people for some years. And we're not all that different. We're not all that different. But the second book of Peter, to me, is very, very interesting. This is what I found interesting this afternoon. The second book, the last book, Peter's talking about, I just want to remind you. I just want to remind you, you know, Peter's book, books are, are, are written to the saints, yes, in general, but specifically to suffering saints who were, who were in the dispersion. And, and, and his, his words, what, verses 12 and 13, I think they are. Yeah. Therefore, I will be ready always to remind you concerning these things, even though you know them even though you know them, and have been established in the present truth. You know them and you're established, but I still like to remind you. I still like to remind you. And I consider it right as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by a reminder. Stir you up. Because you might might know... And you might even be established, but sorry, too passive, too settled. So we got to stir you up before our departure, before our departure. And the, the two brothers, Paul, Peter, were very aware of their limitation. As long as I'm in this tabernacle, I don't know. I don't know when will be my next opportunity. So while I'm here, I know that you know, but I still like to say. Yeah. So, I know that uh, there's, there's a, a number here. Um, there are some familiar faces. Uh, some of you, oh, I didn't know you were here, but here you are. And we have some history. We have some background. 
and you have some, you do have some deposit. Some of you even pass through the full-timers training, uh, just as my, I have three children, some of you know them, they all pass through. But I know that they still need a reminder. Every now and again. Every now and again. They need a, they need to, our stirring up, and then we need to remind you to do your own fanning. To fan into flame. Yeah. So, anyway, with that, with that as a kind of introduction, I'd like to come to this matter of, uh, transitions. The transitions in life, which I feel, uh, from my personal experience and from my observations, uh, serving and in the Lord's recovery, uh, in the churches for these number of years, um, well, let me, let me tell you, I'd like to summarize my fellowship this way. Let me see if I can get through what I want to get through. But I'd like to summarize this way. Two plus two plus two. And then three, three, four, three. You don't know what this is. <laughs> Even you know many things, but you don't know what this is. Yeah. But actually, everything here, you already know. So I'm going to remind you, though. I'm going to remind you. Okay, so leave that there for a moment. Yeah. Don't try to figure it out. You can't figure it out. You can't figure it out. <clears throat> Transitions. You know, in, in human life, we face transitions. Even, even a, even a ch- child will face transitions. Uh, you know, first transition is, big transition is going to, you know, kindergarten. Or maybe pre-K. And it's a transition for mommy and for the child. Sometimes the mommy has a more difficult time transitioning than the, than the child. But sometimes the child is, you know, they, they, they hang on and so on. Then I don't know. I don't know how the if it's a big transition here, or in because in many parts of the country it's not the transition from elementary school to junior high school, middle school. What do you call it here? Middle, or both, both. Okay. So, but but I found that in many parts of the country, um, the kids from different schools all funnel into one school, and not that much, not that much change. Um, and where I am, pretty much, pretty much like that. But high school, and I do know, again, I I don't know your situation, but in many parts of the country, from the junior high, pretty much everyone goes to the same high school. Okay, It's not like that in New York City. I went to what's called a magnet school, and I commuted an hour and 15 minutes to my high school one way. Uh, And many of our kids... Many of our kids do that by subway, by bus and subway, bus and subway. Um, and so it causes our kids to grow up fast. Yeah. And sometimes to become uh, what we call a little streetwise. And you kind of need a little bit of that, but not too much. But anyway, it's a transition. It's a big transition. Then, then, 
going to college or graduating high school, either working or some going to the military. The, still the majority of people go to college. Um, but then it depends. How much of a transition is it? It depends. Because you might live at home and go to the community college. Is it called community or junior here? Community college. But living at home. So it's a transition, but the transition softened a little bit. Yeah. But if you go to the other end of the state or the other end of the country, then you have a new living arrangement. You're meeting new people. If you're in the church life, you have a new new church life, if you choose. If you choose. And we found that right there, we lose quite a number. Quite a number. And then do you live in the dorms? Do you live in a brother's house or a sister's house? Anyway, whatever it is, transition. And a new city. And depending on the size... I mean, if you are born and raised in either Pullman, Spokane, or this area, and then you go to New York City for college, I tell you, transition. <laughs> yeah. But not just from here. If you come from Chicago, it's a transition. New York is kind of its own beast. It's its own. It really is. You go from Los Angeles, you go to New York. You agree with that? Yeah. No, when, 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 you know, sometimes the, the parents take a trip with their kids to go, you know, when they're in their, their uh, senior year or maybe end of junior year to check out schools. So they come to check out schools. I tell them, don't come here. Don't come here. Don't think of coming here unless you are very clear that God is leading you. Because this city will just swallow you. So I, 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 we don't recruit. We don't recruit for the church life in New York. We don't. And even your mature young person, their 20s coming for a career, I still have a concern. I still, I still in my heart really feel, please don't come here. If you do, you must know God is leading you to come here because you will face challenges and tests, which I'm going to very soon get into those details. But anyway, going to university, the style of teaching is different than when you're in high school. Of course, the good high schools now they, they change their way of teaching to match so that there can be a kind of bridge into the, into the good, uh, into the universities. So, so I know in, in, in New York, I, 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 quite a number of schools in their junior, especially senior years, 12th grade, they, they try to adapt so that better prepare for what? Transition. And, and what I've seen, I've seen very good Christian young people. When they go to university, things change. Their pursuit of the Lord is dampened. Their heart for the church life is quenched. I've seen that because they didn't face the transition well. They didn't face the transition well. 
then graduation from high school, uh, uh, sorry, university. Um, whether it's, of course, some, some go to the full-timers training. That's a transition. You know, many of our young people have a problem with that. It's, it's a change. It's a change. But I tell you, even you go to the training, training doesn't last forever, and then you end up transition. And, and that's a kind of test. It tests. It tests what you know, and, and it tests this. It tests, do you know how to apply what you know? Can you apply what you know? Um, then, okay, work. Oh, I, I remember. I, I worked as an, as an accountant in a big international firm. And uh, I was, I wouldn't say I was overwhelmed, but I was, I was somewhat mm, surprised by how great a transition work life was as opposed to being in school. The schedule, I mean, in school, you know. I know we have a number of university students. You know. Of course, I have to be careful because there's professors here too. <laughs> but, but, you know, you just, I don't feel like going to class. You just... I mean, who takes it? Do you take attendance? You, you do. Once every two weeks. Did, did you hear that? Did you hear that? If you're in this class, if you can, if you can plan it right, then, yeah. But you know, it's you know, you know, get the notes. Now, lots of lectures are they're online. You just get around, get around it. When I was in. Undergrad, there were two brothers, and we, you know, we take turns. We take turns. You give me the notes. 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 But you can't do that for work. You can't do that for work. That's that that people have a hard time with that transition, with the accountability, with the responsibility. And and it's the same every day. It's the same every day, depending on your job. Some jobs are, you know, and you need to probably, if you're that kind of, if you don't like that, you need to find a job that's not the same every day. You have to get what, what matches you, the way God created you. But my point is, it's a, tr- it's a transition. And it takes a little while to adjust. Marriage. Oh, marriage. We just have a, we could just have another meeting on that one word. But it's a big transition. And, and I, I feel like, I feel like many young people, even believers, even our own, underestimate how great a transition marriage life is. Like you're living with another person. And it's not the same as a roommate. It's not. With the roommate, you can get your way. It's, it's different. It's different. You don't have to tell your roommate where you're going. It's not like that when you're married. It's different. It's just different. And, and we've seen, we've seen good young people, 
Oh, they invite us to their wedding meetings. I even perform marriages. And they said all the right things. Actually, honestly, I don't know if I should say this. Maybe I won't say this. Yeah, I don't don't know you well enough yet. I don't get excited about going to weddings in the church life. I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy. Oh, praise the Lord. You know, Lord, yeah. But they, they all say the same thing. They all say the same thing. Oh, we want to consecrate Christ in the church, open home. Yeah. So I'd like to know. And you should do that. Do that. I won't be there, but do that. Say that. Say the, and, and mean it. And I, I don't, I don't, I do not question. The, the, the genuineness of that consecration. But always I'm thinking, how will it be three years later? How will it be when you buy your first house? How will it be when you have your first child? Will that consecration withstand that transition? And the reason I have that question is because there's a lot of Testimonies, a lot of experiences, a lot of observations throughout the years. And the answer is no. That the, the, the consecrations weakened through the Lord's blessing. Can you imagine? Lord blesses you with such a sister or such a brother in the Lord to run the race with. And in you know, all the weddings, one chases a thousand, two puts ten thousand. And that's really true. But we don't always see it. We don't always see it. Sometimes one chases a thousand, this one chases a thousand. You put them together and they don't chase anybody. And and not because of problems. It's because they love each other. And they they replace the Lord's place with each other. And now they have their house. Another blessing! Actually, maybe not a blessing. Maybe a curse. And then that adorable first child that becomes everything to this couple. And that's a blessing, but you didn't pass the test. You know, I had, I had uh, this fellowship with my son and with my dear daughter-in-law the week before. I have son, daughter, daughter. Actually, with the three of them, with the, my three kids. The week before they got married, I told them, don't do that. Don't, don't be that way. You're going to say all the things. And I amend that. But don't allow your fire to be quenched. I told them. Actually, I had fellowship with each of them separately. And then together. Don't let that fire be quenched. I won't let it be quenched. You can't have a family like that. So, but the reason is because of the history. Because of transitions. There's a change. And even a change that is issues from the Lord's blessing. Can you imagine? From the Lord's blessing. And, 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 and that would take you further away from the Lord? How could that be? 
I'm reminded of the case in, I think it's, is it Luke 17, with the ten Samaritan lepers? Do you know this story? The ten Samaritan lepers. And they see Jesus at a distance. And they call out to him, Son of David. And he says, go, show yourself to the priest. So maybe, maybe at a distance, you know, as a leper, you're supposed to call out to the to the people, right? Unclean, unclean. So, Tade, maybe from there, stand, stand up, come, walk, walk in a little bit. Maybe from there, maybe from there. Son of David, son of David. And he says, go show yourself to the priest. So they all, ten, go, show themselves to the priest. And on the way, have you ever thought about that, that walk? Imagine the ten of them are going. Oh, he said, maybe, I don't know what they're expecting. Maybe the priest is going to heal us. Because he didn't say, be clean. So, oh, maybe the priest, oh, I don't know. Do you think it's true? And, and, wait. Oh, oh. And then, oh, what about me? They, they all got healed on the way. Then what happened? What happened? You know the story. This is like a children's meeting story. What happened? How many come back? One. So one, see that's, that's, they were all that close. One got closer through the Lord answering his prayer, their prayer. The other nine, the Lord's answered prayer, they went further. Thank you. You can resume your responsibilities. (laughs) Do you under, do you see that? At least when they had a need, they prayed. Now their need is met, and they go away from God. Oh, I remember when I saw that. I I said, Lord, please don't answer all my prayers. Just do answer the prayers according to your knowledge of me. And I do not want to pray something. You answer it, and that answer results in my being further from you. If the need or the lack is going to make me desperate to contact you, so be it. So, so you see, saints, all these crossroads in our, in our life. So, okay, let's come here. Two, two, two. This is Matthew, um, seven. Matthew 7. Maybe you could turn to that with me. Matthew 7, verses 24 through 29. I think you're all familiar with this portion. You know this portion? We have a children's meeting song. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his... Yeah. The wise man built house upon the rock. And the... Doesn't talk about the wind. And the floods came up. And the... Firm, fast, yeah, fast. 
the foolish man. We don't have to do the whole thing. There's the wise man. There's the foolish man. And actually, not just the rain and the flood. It says the rains came down. And the, the, the floods, the rivers, right, flooded. And the wind swept. And that, that represents an attack from three places. So, I, I don't want, I shouldn't say attack, a test from three places. One is from God. The rains come from above. The, the winds that represents Satan's, that is an attack. And then the rivers, that's from the earth, from man. And so there's a, there's a test. To test what? Okay. So here, it's two, two, two. And I would say, two, two buildings, two foundations, and two results. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, let each man take heed how he builds. How he builds. But here the point is, here if you, if you read carefully, it says, everyone who, therefore who hears these words of mine and does them. And I would, I would use the word apply. Apply them. Everything's the same in these two cases, the wise and the foolish. They hear. The tests are the same. The, the, the only thing different is the foundation. And the foundation is determined by whether or not you apply what you hear. What, do you do it? Do you do it? Oh, I don't know how long you've been saved. I don't know how many meetings you've been to. I, we were at a at a high schoolers conference or retreat not that long ago, and I figured out before sharing how many meetings a typical high schooler would be in 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 six years with us if they go to one church meeting, one young people's meeting, and then all the conferences. And I figured out I forgot the number. It's something like eight or nine hundred, eight or nine hundred messages that they would hear by the time they finish high school. And depending how long your true school is and how many conferences and meetings you go to, or at least meetings that you're in, eight or 900 meetings. Yeah. But the test will come from above, from, the, from Satan, and from man. And the test comes from, to the high schoolers. I think we're talking to them tomorrow, right? Yeah. The, well, it's, it's broader than high school tomorrow, right? Young people. Whoever that is. Whoever that is. But, but um, you know, the high schoolers, one test is, is, is mommy. You come home from the meeting, and you're going to your room, and, and she says, you know, Mark! 
Mark, you didn't throw out the garbage. Ma, I was in the meeting. You didn't pass the test. I was in the meeting. What? Fine. Next week, I won't go to the meeting. And I'll throw out the garbage. I mean, that never happened? I'm not going to ask you, but... Well, you didn't. I didn't even want to go to the meeting. What? You're. It's a test. You have received maybe 800 messages, but there's no foundation, or there is a foundation. It's just sand, and one little test just. Yeah. And and it's not that different than getting married and then having a baby. A test will come. And yes, that little little darling is everything to the family at the beginning, especially the first one. Oh, oh, how many? How many? Two, two. What are their names again? Annalyn and Zachary. I met them both today. Annalyn and Zachary. Yeah, Annalyn. I got cheeks waiting for me. Yeah, but anyway. And yeah, they have to be taken care of. Yes. But, but, and, and they, in a sense, they have to be treated as if they're the center. We'll talk about this tomorrow night with the parents. We have to love them as if they're first. But they have to learn they're not first. This house revolves around God's economy. And many, and many, who are in this category, young parents, you were raised that way. And you were happy. You were raised that way, and you were blessed. How could you not continue that legacy? I remember we gave this kind of word in our place, and one sister, she grew up in Puerto Rico, and later came, and she's been, she and her husband have been living in in New York for a while. And she testified that where she grew up, <laughs> actually that, that meeting hall where she, where she grew up was just destroyed by Hurricane Maria in uh, September. That, that, that same hall. That same hall. And she, the Lord touched her in that meeting uh, because sometimes she can be a little too much in the care for the kids. And the Lord reminded her that when they were growing up, there were four of them, and then another family, they had four children, and on Tuesday night, prayer meeting, Tuesday night, there'd be the saints in the meeting, and then in the corner, there'd be eight blankets on the floor. And they'd just bring the kids, and the kids would just sleep there. And she, uh, she recalled that in that meeting. They turned out quite fine. They all turned out to love loving the Lord, and also very wonderful situations, families. How could now, how could she now not put the Lord first and put her children first? That, that was the speaking. So the tests, they, 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 they will come. So how do we apply? How do we apply? Then, oh, three, 
really three and three somewhat go together. Three, this is actually three signs. And this is uh, Exodus chapter four. I think it's one to nine. One to nine. This is the calling of Moses. It would be good if we turn to that. We don't need to read through the verses because you know them already. This is not the first time. In Exodus 3, we have the, the Moses, Moses meets God at the burning bush. The burning bush. And then, and then uh, in chapter 4, they have this talk. Now God wants to send Moses to free the children of, of Israel. This is such an amazing, amazing section. Well, we could read some of, some of the verses. I think we have time. Then Moses answered and said, What if they do not believe me or listen to my voice, <clears throat> but say, Jehovah has not appeared to you? And Jehovah said to him, What is this in your hand? You know, always pay attention in the Bible when God asks a question. Because by definition, God should never ask questions. God would never ask a question that he does not know the answer to. So why does God ask questions? First question, where? Genesis 3. Where are you? Do you think... Adam? Eve? Wait, I'm, I made, I made two of them. No. It was for whose benefit? For Adam. Second question. Where's your brother? In the next chapter. He asked Cain. Did God really not know? No, of course not. He knew. So when God asks, what's that in your hand? Actually, he knows more than you. He's going to show you something. So he says, of course, a staff. staff. Now Moses was a shepherd. So this is related to work. Staff. Because that's what, that's your tool. And he said, throw it on the ground. And you know, right? He throw it on the ground. And it became a serpent. The word became is important in this story. Because there are three signs. And each of the signs, something becomes something. And God is trying to show Moses the real nature of three things. And I I find saints, this applying this, if you apply this, these three things, you will pass the transitions very well. And so, it became a serpent, and Moses recoiled from it. Can you picture this? Have you pictured this? He has the staff, and he throws it on the ground. It becomes a snake. Very interesting word, recoil. You know, recoil is like, like, oh! He recoiled, like he ran away. Oh, very interesting. 
he was holding a serpent. And he didn't know it. That's the point. Something was hidden in this staff that maybe, most likely, I don't know for a fact, but I imagine, I'm about 100% correct, every now and then, he would just kind of lean, don't you think? He'd use it, and then they'd be grazing, and he'd just kind of... And then to realize, I've been leaning, finding comfort in a serpent. That's what he was trying to show him. And then, Jehovah says, stretch out your hand and take it by its tail. Wrong. Wrong way. Not the way to deal with a serpent. But that's what God said. So, of course, he takes it and it becomes a staff again. And that staff led Israel out of Egypt. That same serpent-saturated staff. When used properly, becomes liberation for God's people. So, there's something here. There's something here. So, let's apply. What is that? That firstly can be, should be, I think, applied to our profession. To something in our daily life. If you're a student, then that's your, your schooling now. Later it will be your profession. But it could also apply to family. Anything you lean on related to your daily life, be careful because something's hidden there. Something's hidden there. And just knowing that, just having that realization, you'll be able to pass the tests that come. If not, then we'll get bitten. We'll be bitten and there'll be, there'll be the repercussions of that. Then the second, uh, verse six. Jehovah further said to him, now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. I believe in the life study message. Here, when Brother Lee gave this message, he said, maybe Moses thought he'll find a diamond. Put my hand in my bosom. Oh. And it, oh. Oh, leprosy again. Leprosy comes up. So what does that show? I think this is easy. That's, that's showing, what is your heart filled with? So he put his hand in. Because before touching his heart, his hand was fine. Now you touch your heart, and it's leprous, which is always a symbol of sin. Symbol of sin. So what is this? This is not knowing Satan. This is knowing yourself. And, and realizing what I am. What I am. So, so it's to realize, yeah, I need, Lord, I need you because of what I am. And, and we shouldn't allow our knowledge about the Lord, even our years of reading in the ministry, even being constituted, we shouldn't allow that to cause us to be self-confident. We always have to realize, if you put me in the right situation, which is really the wrong situation, sin is still there. Just like what 
the Lord told Cain, sin is at the door. So always crouching there. Always crouching. So we always, we always have to realize, mm, just because I've done well, doesn't mean I will do well. So every day, we need to say, Lord, I give myself to you. If you have a family, say, Lord, I give my family to you. I give my children to you. I give my situation to you. I give this job to you. I give this new apartment, this new house to you. Thank you. But Lord, please keep me. Please keep me. And, and you can find this feeling in the Lord's prayer. When he asked us, you know, the disciples, Matthew 6, they asked, the Lord, teach us to pray. And, and there's this feeling, Lord, Lord, deliver us from evil. And do not lead us into temptation. What does that mean? That means, Lord, if you lead me into temptation, I'm going to fail. I won't do well because I'm not that strong. So don't even lead me there, please, Lord. So th- th- there's a, there is that feeling and sense in, in how the Lord was teaching us to pray. And yes, uh, you know, we, at least m- m- most of us don't practice that as a kind of, to pray the Lord's prayer, so-called Lord's prayer, as a kind of religious daily thing. But you know, what's wrong with that? At least to pray that sense and feeling as you're leaving the house. Lord, <laughs> please keep me today. Please make your home in my heart and, and don't let me be independent from you. You know, we, uh, we, we sang this, uh, this hymn, 589, and uh, it really is a treasure in our, in our hymn book. Um, but I, I wanted to highlight with you verse 4. Um, oh, to be but emptier, lowlier, mean, unnoticed, and unknown, and to God a vessel holier, filled with Christ and Christ alone. But in the last four lines, naught of earth to cloud the glory. Isn't that our desire? You have a time with the Lord. You enjoy Him in the morning. Now you're going to work or you're going to school. You don't want anything of earth to to cloud the Lord's expression. Naught of self, the light to dim. And we don't want that as the day goes on, we get darker and darker. But isn't that the case? Often, our, our light dims. Why? Because of the things around us. We don't know how to ward off the worldly influences. We need, we need to learn. We need to apply. Telling forth his wondrous story, emptied to be filled with him. So, the staff becomes serpent. The hand becomes leprous. Of course, there's the healing when you obey the Lord's voice because he said, put it back in. Right? So there's the healing. The third, uh, in, the, in, in the last two verses, and if they do not believe you or heed the first sign, then, you, then they may believe the next sign. And if they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, then you shall take some of the water of the river, pour it on the ground. And the water that you take out of the river will become, again, become blood upon the ground. And this, this is not something he did there. He says, when you go back, 
do this sign, because the, the river refers to the Nile. And so, so what is this? Of course, actually, I, I was learned since I've been here a little bit of the history of Spokane and its connection to the, the river, right? Is it the Spokane River? Yeah. Well, New York is the same, and actually the settlers uh, everywhere nearly the same. In Western civilization, everything by water, right? You need the water. So, so in Egypt, the Nile is the source of life. And, and, uh, and so what this means is that, yes, that it drives everything, but be careful. Because actually it's death. It's not water. It's death. So, so we have to be careful of all the entertainments, all the things uh, that keep us going. Yeah, you, you know, Paul, Paul says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 7, use the world, but don't abuse it. Use it, but don't abuse it. Also in, in, in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, there are these axioms. You know, I, um, I will not, all things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of anything. Those are, that's a good principle. It's a good principle. Um, yeah, many things you can do. There's no, there are not, there are no rules like that in the New Testament church. But, but be careful because it is very easy to be brought under the power of, of the things. Sports is like that very much. Sports and anything competitive. Is, it, it just, it just sucks you into it. And, and then you just end up in death. And, and we don't want that. We want to pass the tests. We want the, the building to, to, to be strong. Okay, so that's the three signs. The, the other three is um, Matthew 4. Actually, three temptations. Temptation. And I know you probably are all familiar with this. Matthew 4, I think it's 1 to 11. Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Again, we don't have time to get into all the details here. But Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. Always had a hard time with that verse. How could the Lord be led by the Spirit? But he was. He was led there. Led to be tempted by the devil. And then there are these three three temptations. And again, I know that you know this. So I just want to remind you of a few points. And the first temptation is about the stones becoming bread. Oh, Make the stones bread. He had fasted 40 days. And so, of course, the Lord answers with the, with the word. And uh, man from Deuteronomy, right? Man shall not live on, on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out through the mouth of God. The first temptation comes back to the matter of living. Daily living. Sustenance. Sustenance. And in a sense, it's just like the signs. Because the staff, that was something of his, Moses as a shepherd, his daily living. 
So our daily living is always a test. It's always a test. And and especially, I would say, especially uh, newly married couples, um, there, there is a there is a kind of a uh, uh, freshness, kind of anticipation, getting your first place. Your, it's yours, even if it's a dump. It's yours. <laughs> it's yours. And and you wanna you 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 know you 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 wanna you know, fix it up and look nice and this and that. And, uh, and then, and then, um, you know, you, you're, you're at the beginning of your careers and you're just earning money. Earning money. Maybe like for the first time. Especially when you get your loans out of the way and, and, whoa, we have money. We can do something. We can go somewhere. But should you? Should you? Or should you put that aside? Or should you offer that? Be careful. Be careful of the temptation to live beyond what you need. Be careful to live beyond what you need. As I told you, and Lord cover me to say this, but as as you know, having three three children, um, we couldn't give them much. We couldn't give them much, but the Lord provided, and and they turned out pretty okay, right? Pretty okay, and what I mean is happy. They turned out they're pretty happy. They, they were not lacking anything. They were not lacking anything by our going that way. And we were always able to to give to others, to help others, and have people come. Always able to do that. And, and go to the trainings and conferences. We were always able to do that. But not too much more than that. And it was okay. It was It was okay. Kids grew up just fine, not lacking anything, and maybe happier than most. And that's actually really all you want, that they be happy and fulfilled. Uh, I've, been in, I've been in homes where, very nice homes, the Lord really is blessed, really blessed. And there's, there's a, you know, sometimes a television that's about two times the size of this board. No one needs a television two times the size of that board. They shouldn't even make them. They're not necessary. Unless you're in a stadium or for a meeting like to, you know, like we have in our conferences. But no one needs one of those in their house. Where, you know, when you're playing football, you feel like, oh, careful. Because, you know, it looks so... When I went there, I thought, oh, this is sowing a seed into your children. Be careful that your children don't become addicted to this lifestyle. It, it is well within their means. The Lord really has. And, and, and this, this family that I'm, actually, they give a lot. 
I know that. I can testify on their behalf. They give a lot, but some things are not wise. You don't have to provide for your children just because you have the means. Be careful. Because we're all, we'll, we'll get into this tomorrow night with the parents. You're always sowing seeds. And that seed may, will not blossom today, will not blossom tomorrow, but someday it'll blossom. So it's always better for the Lord's sake to live a simpler life. To live a simpler life. And to develop that taste in our children. Then the second temptation. The devil takes the Lord to the wing of the temple. Says, jump down. The angels. And he quotes a verse. Oh, the angels will, won't let your foot be hurt. And so on. And this this... This shows a kind of a... Well, this is in the realm of religion. And this is in the realm of miracles. Like, do a miracle. Do a miracle and show that God is with you. And, you know, this is a, this is a temptation. To, 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 to make a show. In the religious realm. And, and by this, I actually mean in the church life. It's a temptation to, to do something or be something extra. Be careful about this. Be careful about this. Just walk down the stairs. Don't jump. Don't expect to make a show in, in the church life. You know, <clears throat> these days, I know very actively in our place and in many places all over the globe, I know that the older brothers are, are, are doing our best to bring younger brothers faster into responsibility and, and to, into their function. And, and they're, they're, there's this kind of very active, that's very good. But young brothers, be careful. Don't, there's no need to jump off the wing of the temple. We don't want anyone to make a show. Because this will be a test. When you're invited to join a certain coordination, asked to take on a certain responsibility, don't become proud of this. And your wife should not become proud of this. Or if we ask your wife to take care of something, there might be ten sisters. We ask ten sisters, oh, could you take care of this? And then this one, this one, this one, could you kind of head this up? Oh, why do these other seven get bothered? But it happens. Oh, who is she? Oh, the brothers don't know. They don't know the real situation. But there's always something in us to want to be a little more prominent. Be careful over this. This is a test. This is a test. And then finally, he takes the Lord to a very high mountain. The devil takes the Lord and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. All these I will give you. Can you imagine that this really happened? All these I will give you if you bow down and worship me. He actually said that to the Lord Jesus. All these I will give you. And of, of course, this is easy. This is the worldly glory. And, and this we all need to be careful about. Especially in our careers. Because there's a temptation. Because because 
you're that good. Many of you, you're that good. And the world wants you. The world wants you. I I tell you, there where we are in in New York, there's there's some brothers, some sisters. My goodness, the capacity that these saints have. These are... I've known some of them since they were born. Now they are serving with us, shoulder to shoulder, bearing response. They're the leading ones in the church with us. But I served him in nursery. It's my first service in the church life. Nursery. They've taught us how to change the diapers. He was there. Not him. So generic. It was a generic he. I'm thinking of someone. Now, he's one of the leading brothers with us. So there, there is this kind of a, you know. But I know at work, oh my, what capacity. Running departments. And then they send him to another country to open up, you know, the office there. And, you know, we have these kind of saints everywhere. You're that good. You're more than I could ever be. I know that. And the world wants you. Be careful. Be careful. Because behind that is an idol. What the devil really wants is your worship. So there is, there is something attached to that glory. So that comes back to the sign with Moses. I can testify for a number. This brother that I'm thinking of, he really takes this by the tail. He really takes this. And, and, and then when there's, when there's a need anywhere on the globe, when there's a need, I know. I, there's it's at least a dozen of them that I know. They just, they just yeah, offer. So Brother Ricky, Brother Ricky, this is for uh, South America. Then later, I could never do that. But this brother can do that. And sisters, sisters, they just offer. They just offer. Oh, they, they would not bow down. They would not. Even they, they have titles and they have some kind of glory in the world. But when they come to the meeting, oh, you can't tell. You just can't tell. That this person actually is an executive in what what company, and then she's an attorney, and he's a doctor, and she's this, and you can't tell because in the, in, they don't. That's not what they're expressing. That's that's not the glory. There's another glory because they know how to, and and then they can help other young people come out of the world with the same staff with that same Satan-saturated staff. Satan's still there. And leprosy's still here. And the water's still blood. But they know how to maneuver. Oh, that, that's a real testimony. Uh, some years ago, we were, in a, we were in a young adults fellowship time. And uh, it was a weekly time. So not, not a kind of special meeting. So no, no, no speaking like this. We're just having fellowship. And um, one brother, fairly new, 
um, and newly married, and uh, he just kind he just he just bursts like, I don't know how you all do it. Very genuine. This brother is very genuine. I don't know how you all do it. Because you, I know your job, and you, I know what you do, and 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 you can do that at work, and and you work more longer hours, and you have more responsibility than I do. But when you come here, you just minister Christ. How do you do that? I just sit here and think of money. And he's, you know, he he can't leave it, can't leave it. He was in, he was in, uh, he was actually a, a trader, trader in a financial services company. And the rest of the meeting, about 45 minutes, all the saints just answering the brother's question. Oh, this is one of the sweetest times I could remember in my church life. Well, brother, you know, I have to, I have to leave the house at 4.30 or 5 because my job is tied with the financial markets in London. But, you know, I still need to contact the Lord. So on the subway, I do this and this. And, oh, that was a help. And another one, oh, you know, when, you know, you get a few minutes here and there at, at work. And, you know, I just take the time. I just, you know, I have a verse or, and anyway, all their things. Because they had the staff, then they could lead someone else through their testimony. And it wasn't preaching. It wasn't preaching. It was just a testimony. It's very inspiring. It was very inspiring. Uh, four. Four is this one you, you surely know. Four types of ground. This is Matthew 13. I think it's 3 through 9 and 19 to 23, I believe. Or you could say four conditions of the heart. And this surely I don't have to explain. I think you all know this. The sower goes out to sow and finds there's the wayside, which is Hardened by the traffic of the world and on the edge. Don't allow yourself to be on the edge of the church life. Get in the middle of the church life. But that's what happens to many of our working saints. They, little by little, they start here and little by little because of their responsibility time, demands, they, they, and you end up there. It's risky there on the edge. Be in the middle. Then there's the rocky, stony places where there's not the depth of earth. Then there's the thorny ground. The thorns grow, and you know what the thorns are in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. If you put all the cases together, it's the deceitfulness of riches, right? There's there's the lust for other other things. There's the anxieties of life. And sorry, but a faithful word have to say it, sisters. For the most part, 
women get more anxious than men. Not 100%. Not 100%. There's some anxious men. Anxious brothers. But wives tend, because they're so practical, so practical, tend to get more anxious. And the brothers are, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. And she's, how can you say it'll be okay? And it's like, amen. No, we don't need to talk about this now. We don't talk about now. We're supposed to... Sisters, the thorns choke, choke the word. Then the fourth ground is the good soil. I, I would just like to say something about the ro- rocky places. No depth of earth. No depth of earth. I think on Lord's Day we're scheduled to have fellowship on personal fellowship with the Lord. Um, From my observation, in many places, many different backgrounds, many different age groups, uh, this is a great concern that our times with the Lord are not sufficient to allow for the roots to go down. For us to have what, what what it says in Matthew, depth of earth. And we all have rocks. We all have stones. We all have hindrances. The key is to have the fellowship with the Lord that allows him to expose and to deal with those things. And he will do that. He will be faithful to do that if we give him the opportunity. But we have morning revival. And you could have morning revival very regularly for years and never change. And actually, you do change. The rock gets bigger. So we need to, we need to learn. And so for this, we just, we, we need to tell the Lord, Lord, make, make my heart the good soil. Make my heart the good soil. So, saints, we need to we need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our hearts, and all the time, turn back and allow the Lord to renew our love for Him. Renew our love for Him. We should really do this daily. Yeah, but we'll talk more on the Lord's Day. Um, the final three, and this is three, and I don't even know if this is a word, but I'm making it a word. Three budgetings. Three budgeting. Budget's a word. Budgeting is a word. I'm just not sure budgetings is a word, but it is tonight. We need to budget our finances, our time, and our energy. And I do hope that all the, especially all the families, all the young families, budget your finances. Always give. And always seek to increase your giving. You know, we don't talk a lot about this. Somewhat awkward for local brothers to bring this up. But I would encourage you. You have to start with 10%. Don't 
don't ask me if it's 10% of gross or net. Just 10%. And then next year, how about make it 12%? As the Lord prospers you. You know, that's what it says in the New Testament. That you give as the Lord prospers you. And some, the Lord prospers you, but you're still giving 10%. And you have more to spend on your children. Or your house, or other things. As the Lord prospers you, you should give more. And, and maybe consider staying the same with your living. Keep the standard of living. And then just give more. Make it 20%. Why not? We know brothers that give 50, that give 90. The Lord graces them that way. But we should budget. We should budget. And we should budget our time. Of course, we should budget the Lord's Day. Of course. We should budget the group meeting. And we should budget time to help others, to visit, to go see others. That should be in our, in, 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 in our budget. Oh, you know, oh, this principle is eternally established. It's, it is better to give than to receive. So that, that giving is in every way. If you give your, certainly give your money, but you can give your time. And you can give your energy to visit people every, whatever, Thursday night, Lord's Day evening. Maybe it's every two weeks because you have the children and it's not that convenient. Or do it Saturday afternoon, but budget time. And then budget your energy. You know, and you find, as you get older, (laughs) there's less energy. But you need to budget it. It's a budget. If you know there's a need for the Lord, then don't expend your energy on frivolous things the night before or the week before. We have to store up. So even even the way we use this body, right? It says in First Corinthians, therefore glorify God in your body. And Romans says, present your body. But present your body has a lot to do with energy and time. So these things merge. That's what I have for you for tonight. Amen. Can we have some prayers? Can we have some prayers? I don't know how you want to. Just together? Yeah. And there's still time for some responding, I think. Amen.